United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. United Soccer Coaches has declared 2022 as a year to recognize the contributions of soccer officials at all levels, beginning with a celebration of soccer officiating at the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. The celebration of soccer officiating will be held on Friday and Saturday, January 21 and 22, and U.S. Soccer and NISOA Hall of Fame member Dr. Joe Macknick and former FIFA World Cup referee and referee instructor Essie Baharmis will co-host and coordinate the event, and both of them will kick off my show as part of the Countdown to Convention. And we'll keep Essie Baharmis around along with Dr. Joe Macknick because Essie Baharmis, it was announced back on November 22nd, by the Walt Chiswitz Fund, a charitable fund of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, that Essie Baharmis, former U.S. Soccer, MISL, MLS, and FIFA referee and referee instructor, will receive the Walt Chiswitz Lifetime Achievement Award on January 22nd as part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. A three-part countdown to convention with Essie Baharmis and Dr. Joe Macknick. Then, courtesy of Lee Gerald, who does such a great job heading up the advocacy groups along with Sue Ryan at United Soccer Coaches. She was in Texas this past weekend at the TASCO convention, Texas High School Coaches and she ran into not one, but two Hall of Honor winners, both women, and I think there are only six in the Tasco Hall of Honor. Frankie Whitlock went in in 2017. Dina Graves went in this past year. Between the two of them, they have nearly 1,200 wins, and now Frankie Whitlock is coaching Dina Graves' kids. Amazing story. I think you'll like it. And then we'll end meeting yet another member of our 30 under 30 class, Ashley St. Alban. That's our show, and it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Time now for the Countdown to Convention, a weekly interview on the United Soccer Coaches podcast that features the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which will take place January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Every week during this time, our host, Dean Linky, will take a deep dive with someone or a group of people that will be featured at this year's convention. Remember to register early for the convention by going to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Now, here's Dean with this week's Countdown to Convention. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast with the countdown to the convention and a celebration of soccer officiating. You heard that right. United Soccer Coaches has declared 2022 as a year to recognize the contributions of soccer officials at all levels, beginning with a, quote, celebration of soccer officiating, end quote, at the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention in KC 
that'll be held. This part will be held January 21 through 22 at the Kansas City Convention Center. United Soccer Coaches has long recognized the need to include soccer officials, referees, and assistants without whom the organized game cannot be played into its extended family with the understanding of the importance of sharing common ground information as well as the need to improve communication, cooperation, and camaraderie between referees and coaches which have long suffered from an unfortunate disconnect. Classroom, field sessions, social activity with presentations by top instructors from all over the world will highlight this first-of-its-kind event. U.S. Soccer and NISOA Hall of Fame member Dr. Joe Macknick and former FIFA World Cup referee and referee instructor Essie Baharmis will co-host and coordinate the event. And one side note, Essie Baharmis will get to a little later in this countdown of the convention. will also receive the prestigious Walt Chiswick Award. So double the fun. But right now we start with a celebration of soccer officiating. And we start by welcoming Dr. Joe Macknick and Essie Baharmis. Welcome, Dr. Joe, and welcome, Essie Baharmis. Thank you, Dean. It's a pleasure to be with you and to be part of this initial effort on the part of United Soccer Coaches to include referees in their families. So we're all looking forward to it. It all started back at the annual general meeting of U.S. Soccer when Lynn Burling Manuel came to both Essie and I and sat us down in the lobby and said, how can we get referees involved in the convention? We actually had the program ready to go last year. And of course, with COVID, everything became virtual. So we decided to hold on for a year. So we're going to be in Kansas City with the very first celebration of soccer officiating at the coaches convention. Yeah, it's incredible. And Essie, double the fun for you. You are going to be part of this with Dr. Joe Magnick, but you also received the Walt Chiswitz Award. You must be walking on air right now. What an incredible weekend it's going to be for me. It's uh, unbelievable, you know, first to be among uh, family and friends, coaches and referees, you know, in Kansas City, where I actually did a lot of games in Kansas City. I lived in Kansas City for a while. So going back to my old hometown and then to be with Dr. Joe, you know, we have uh, started this uh, journey together as a referee. was my mentor on my first match in the Major Indoor Soccer League. We were in Wichita, Kansas. And, you know, I was a young uh, pop coming up. Of course, nervous to be with the director of referees for the Major Indoor Soccer League. And we went for a walk along the river. And, you know, we talked soccer. And then we found out, both of us, that we love this game. We have a passion for the game. And whether you're playing it, coaching it, refereeing it, administration, whatever it is, we are making it a, a better thing. And uh, Walt Chizovich uh, Award, what, a, what an honor, you know. I got to know Walt uh, directly and uh, personally because he became director of referees for Major Indoor Soccer League. And I know what a great, great human being he was and what a giant of the game to do what they did to bring this game to where it is today. Walt is looking uh, from heaven and uh, smiling big time to see the seeds that he planted and that, uh, the fruits that we are uh, you know, enjoying right now because of the work that he did. And uh, Dr. Joe, you guys, you know, made this happen. You are the builders. You are the founders of, you know, where we are right now. That is so well said. As we think about this referee summit, it's only $99, a celebration of soccer officiating. The referee summit registration includes access to all of the celebration of soccer officiating sessions, access to the aforementioned Walt Chiswick Fund Awards Ceremony and Reception, unlimited access to the exhibit hall, registration welcome packet, and a t-shirt. 
I want to start going through some of the sessions, but before we do, Dr. Joe, I've always found you fascinating. I met you as John Polis's assistant before the 1990 World Cup. I've seen you, and every time I see you, you're always very welcoming. But one of the things I like about you is you're a coach on Bob Kanzler's staff. Now you're like this referee guru. You're on Fox and everything else. Can you explain that fascinating crossover and how that happened? Thank you. I guess I've worn a lot of hats. When I was a player at Long Island University, I was a physical education major. So part of that was learning to referee all sports. You had to teach the sport, but also how to referee. I could even do boxing. And I'm pretty good at volleyball also and basketball. But I always had um, a love for officiating. So, you know, while I was coaching, I was also refereeing. And when indoor soccer started on an ice hockey arena, and I coached ice hockey also. So Walter Chiswitz, who was a consultant for the league, came to me as said, well, it's being played on a hockey rink. You know hockey. We need somebody to write the rules, time penalties and all of that, substitutions on the fly. So he appointed me referee-in-chief. And uh, I refereed the first game, the first All-Star Games, the first game in Madison Square Garden. And it was a big thrill for me. I did over maybe 200 of those indoor games. And that's how NC and I got to come together. But the whole time that I was with Bob, I mean, I was always watching referees. And, and then eventually when Major League Soccer MLS started and they were having some difficulty in year one putting together a referee program. They asked me to come. Even Essie's involved in that story as well. He was part of my interview process, I think. <laughs> so they asked me to come and work with them and uh, led to actually the beginning of the first full-time outdoor referees in America. And that's how it all began. So I kind of uh, keep wearing those different hats. I'm glad that you explained that because it's been so cool that uh, you've been a coach at the highest level and now in this role. And then also the work you do on Fox is, is just fantastic. And I'm not surprised that SC was at the table for Major League Soccer because besides the World Cups, I'm pretty sure, SC, you officiated the first ever MLS game, the Eric Winalda goal. Is that correct, SC? What do you remember about that special moment? Yeah, absolutely. It was years waiting for, you know, I, I was uh, looking forward to, to start up the professional league. You know, of course, we had all sorts of uh, leagues, outdoors and indoors. But uh, when MLS came along and the first match was DC United and San Jose and the whole world watching because the game was coming to U.S., after the 94 World Cup. And I don't know who was the happiest person when the goal was scored because I was looking at the match and it was 0-0 until about 87th minute of the match. And uh, thank God for Eric Winalda, you know, he uh, uh, scored a world-class goal. And, you know, I was so happy because I was tired of, you know, reading in the newspapers that soccer is, uh, you know, like watching paint dry and, uh, you know, comments like that. And when he scored the goal, I don't know who was happier, him or I. Wonderful uh, celebration, a great goal, a great game. I also did the very first uh, MLS Cup final in 96, the Nor'easter in Boston. I, I had no idea what the Nor'easter was till, I, you know, till, till that day. And it was a really incredible game. All right, here's what I want to do. I kind of want to walk through both days as we're talking about the celebration of soccer officiating. And we'll start with the opening day on Friday, January 21. You get started early, 9.15, the welcoming ceremonies, the introductions, the motivational video, SC Bahamas, Joe Matnick. You're also joined by Gary Huber, Rick Eddy, and a few others. How do you want to set the tone in those first 15 minutes? Joe, we'll start with you. I don't think it will be difficult to set the tone. The referees who are going to be there with the cast of 
presenters that we have, I mean, they're going to be eyes wide open looking for every possible word. I mean, we start we start off with Howard Webb, the, the head, head of pro, Brian Hall, who's also refereed in the World Cup and is the head of referees for CONCACAF. And, and, and so Alex Pruce, who's been referee of the year in Major League Soccer. I mean, it's the stuff that we are going to hear from these officials with the background that they have, we're going to be eyes wide open. You know, it's not going to need much of an introduction. Well, there is one, Essie, that I do want you to talk about. The first presentation after the introduction is called Bringing Your A-Game, Dynamic Personality and Passion Needed. I find that to be a fascinating name as it relates to referees. Can you kind of guess what you think Brian Hall is going to discuss as far as that topic? Well, of course, you know, Brian and I, we go back here to the days of uh, Major Indoor Soccer League, you know, where we really had some of the most fantastic coaches and players playing in the league, you know, World Cup players. And if you didn't have a dynamic personality, if you couldn't engage these players, if you couldn't uh, handle the pressure that came from the coaches and the players, you had no business being out there. And, you know, when you look at some of the best referees in the world, let's talk about Pierluigi Colina. When you look at him, it's all about the dynamic personality. It's about the body language, the way that he looks at the players, the way he talks to them, the way he engages them. You know, that's what we need at the highest level. You need referees who are really manager of the players, you know, because uh, calling the fouls are easy. You know, those are... Uh, uh, after a while becomes, you know, automatic. But, you know, you need to have the personality to be able to engage players, be able to talk to them, to bring them, you know, to, to a understanding that, you know, what is accepted, what is not accepted. And I think Brian's going to do a great job with, you know, talking about dynamic personality. Howard Webb's going to talk about game prep at all levels. One that I'm interested in, I do a lot of college games, as you know, Dr. Joe. And this one here says game and player management issues, college to pro. Tell us who's going to conduct that and what that's all about. That's, I believe, Alex Bruce's uh, topic, and Alex has been a successful referee for the NCAA, been involved in many Final Fours, then, you know, made the transition to be equally successful in the pro game. Alex is like Essie and like Brian, because Alex was a player, and then he was a coach, and then he became a referee. And, and with, when you have that much experience on all sides of the ball, you, you develop a feel for the game. That's the biggest thing that referees really need to be successful today is a feel for the game. And then they gain easily the respect of the players and the coaches. And that's hopefully what path we're going to be on by having this celebration at the coaches convention. Another session is called assistant refereeing panel. There's one called officiating youth soccer. Essay, I want to go back to you on this one because even in my business as a TV guy, I wait for my assignments and I want to make sure I have my contracts. And I know talking to the assigners, particularly in the Big Ten, that they all want to work every single game. And you've got one at 315 to 415 called Officiating Coordinator and Assigning Issues Panel. And you got some big timers in there with Sandra Hunt and Richard Grady and Rachel Wu and Roger Morton and Manuel Ortiz Jr. Officiating, Coordinating and Assigning Issues Panel, that's a big job. Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, people that you mentioned, they uh, assign and coordinate and put referees on uh, some of the biggest matches in NCAA, Division One, Division Two, everywhere that you're talking about. And these, these are big matches. They will talk about, you know, what they look for in a referee, a referee that's going to be able to go out there and do these games and uh, do justice to the match 
make sure that you know pro- uh, players are protected they make sure that the integrity of the game is there you couldn't ask for a better panel of people because they they are uh, hands-on they're working right now assigning referees to the highest matches part of what they'll be speaking about is how difficult this year and last year were due to COVID and the assigning of referees because there were last minute cancellations and changes of schedules and all kinds of things that make it difficult for the assigner. I have that experience myself. I assign a small college uh, conference, Northeast Conference, and I only assign the women division. And it was the very, very challenging year due to COVID and other issues. Last question here. The last session of that first day is called officiating field session. Lance Van Heitsma will conduct that session. I want to hear from both of you before we take our first break on what we expect to see on the officiating field session 430 to 6 on Friday, January 21. Dr. Joe, you go first, and then SC, you put a stamp on it. Well, there actually will be two field sessions, one run by Lance uh, for NISOA, another run by Rick Eddy from U.S. Soccer with the help of Abby Okalaja. It's only been a couple years now. I mean, you would go to referee meetings and it was all classroom, but it's only been a couple of years now since we've taken the referees outdoors, or in this case, indoors in a big arena setting, where they learn position and how to adjust, you know, where to run and where to be at the right time. I attended one myself just two winters ago where Essie was instructing. I had to stop because it was like my turn to do the practical. I had to stop and ask Essie, where do I go here? Where do I go here? Because I had no clue. And if you look at old video, including like the final I did in uh, 1988, I'm all over the place and no place I should have been. I had to call a penalty kick to decide that game. But Essie's probably more an expert on this than than I am. So I'm going to Go over to him. This goes to tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. And this is basically getting referees on the field of play and they actually do situations that happens day in and day out. So we normally have players who simulate situations in and around the penalty area. We can have penalty kicks, we can have simulation, we can have free kicks, we have corner kicks, different types of free kicks, short corners, long corners, all sorts of things that could happen in a match and the referees get to practice this maybe 30 times, maybe 40 times in a short amount of time that if they wanted to do this in a, in a match, it would take them maybe 50 games to be able to simulate the type, the type of things that they're doing. And by involving them, they really learn the nuances, where they need to be, what, where is the angle of view. And this is something that we do at every World Cup now with the referees. We have players who, are, who come out there. We have cameras set up. Immediately after a situation, we can show the feedback. We can show the referee if the decision was correct or not correct, and if it wasn't correct, why? and rectify that. So this is no different than the teams who have uh, drills and practice, and they do things that you know they need to put uh, into effect for, the, for the, their next matches. A celebration of soccer officiating will take place as part of this year's convention, the 2022 convention, of course, Friday, January 21. We just went through the full day, and we have another day to go through. We'll do that when we return with our two legends, Dr. Joe Macknick and Essie Baharmas. Stay with us on the Countdown to the Convention part of this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Come see us on Podcast Row at the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City this January. The convention is the ultimate event for soccer coaches and those who work in the game. 
rekindle your passion through presentations, on-field demonstrations, exhibits, and events for coaches at every level. Whether you're attending alone or bringing the entire coaching staff, there's no better place to learn, network, and experience all aspects of the game. Register for the convention before the price increases on December 16 to secure the best rate. And as a listener of this podcast, use the promo code POD22, that's P-O-D-2-2, at checkout and save an additional $40. Your registration also includes all of the recorded sessions so you won't miss a thing. Visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org today to register before December 16 and use promo code POD22, that's P-O-D-22, at checkout to save. We can't wait to be reunited with all of you in Kansas City. Welcome back as we extend our countdown to convention as we open up talking about a celebration of soccer officiating with two out-and-out legends of the game, Dr. Joe Matnick and Essie Baharmis. And now we're going to break through the second day, Saturday, January 22nd. That starts at 9 a.m. And this is a big, big topic. Gender differences in soccer officiating. Tori Penso has clearly established herself as a top-level referee. doesn't matter her gender, but she's been legit. This is a big issue as we're seeing more and more women work their way into USL, work their way into big college games, and I'm not sure where they are on MLS, but you guys can update us on this. S.A., I'll have you go first on this one, and then Dr. Joe will put a stamp on it. Yep, and as you can see, Tori Penso, who's doing matches in uh, Major League Soccer, men's games, he's doing World Cup qualifier games, he's doing games at the highest level, he's going to be talking about this. It's all about opportunity. It's all about, you know, now we're looking for talent. You know, we're looking for referees. We're not looking for female referees or male referees. We're looking for talent who can get the job done at the highest level. And I couldn't think of a better person than Tori because she's actually right there juggling a family, kids, work, and also doing this at the highest level. So she would be a great, great presenter to everyone who wants to know, you know, how to get there. I've heard it said you know, in regard to the women's game that, okay, it's the same game, same rules, played differently. And therefore, the referee walking onto the field in the women's game has to be cognizant of the differences of how that's played. That's one of the things Tori will be working on in her presentation and sharing with the group. There are different challenges. There's a different level of speed. There's different levels of sportsmanship, for want of a better word. So there's, there's quite a bit of difference in refereeing them men's game versus the women's game. And it would be, it's important, especially for men, officials going on the field to referee women's soccer. Experienced this myself in my assigning capacity. They say it's sometimes a challenge that they're, they're not up to, although they think they're, they're able. So it's, it's one of the more interesting topics of a, a very good agenda that we have. And I've seen her presentation of this before, and it's ever-changing as she learns more working both men and women's soccer that she does. So it's, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. On this Saturday at 10.30-11, NCA issues on and off the field will be a good one to attend as a lot of our college coaches listen to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. At 11 a.m., you've got referee coaches communication and understanding dealing with the disconnect panel. And then at 1 o'clock, you have understanding the ever-changing handling rule with Corey Rockwell and Chris Penzo. I want to focus on that one right now. We'll start with you, Dr. Joe. Understanding the ever-changing handling rule. What's that all about? Well, 
I think, you know, handball is probably the most difficult of all of the decisions that the referee has to make because at one point in time, they were dealing with whether it was deliberate or intentional. And then we had uh, accidental handballs being uh, called if it resulted in a goal. There's been changes in the rules regarding handling probably the last six years in a row. And, you know, not only in FIFA laws of the game, but the college game now, is pretty much very close to how that game is officiated and adopts those changes as well. So it's very difficult because it's always changing, and uh, that's why uh, this topic is here. I think the coaches can come into the room also. That's a big part of this is the door is going to be open. This is not just for referees. The door is going to be open, and uh, let the coaches come in and hear what the referees are looking for in this ever-changing rule. As uh, Dr. Joe said, you know, the law has been changing for the past three or four years. If you look at the law changes from uh, International Football Association Board, it has been a constant change. And sometimes it looks like the more they try to explain every situation, the more confusing it became. We have to understand the guidelines and we have to understand the spirit of what we're looking for. Because this is one where the referee's uh, opinion still comes into the effect and it's very subjective. So as long as we understand the guidelines, then it becomes easier to explain it. So they have to uh, get that feel of what, what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to get rather than you know every the situation to be spelled out. We're here promoting a celebration of soccer officiating that will take place January 21 and January 22 at this year's convention in Kansas City that will begin on the 19th, two full days. Dr. Joe Macknick, a U.S. soccer and ISOA Hall of Famer, Fox Sports soccer rules analyst, and of course, S.E. Baharmas, a FIFA World Cup referee, MLS, you name it, he has done it. One more question before we go to break and come back and talk about the Watt Chiswick Fun Lifetime Achievement Award going to Mr. Essie Baharmist. I love this session at 215 to 315 because it simply stated what it means to be a referee. Essie, you are going to run that session, but I'm going to go to Dr. Joe Mactic first and find out why he's excited to hear you talk about this, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Essie. I think there's no referee in America that has dedicated so much of his life, so much of his time, so much of his family's time to, number one, becoming the best referee that he possibly could be, but now, two, helping all other referees try to approach the same level because Essie didn't retire. He became a FIFA instructor and then was at almost every World Cup at every level over the past 10 years. And now at the end of that part of his career, he returns to his home in Colorado. He's working for the Colorado Soccer Association as the head of their referee program. So I'm just hopeful that he can deliver the message of give us one or two things that helped him be good that these referees have to focus on. So, Essie, I got to ask you, what does it mean to be a referee? Because that's what you're going to talk about for an hour. I can't wait. Yeah, you know, it, it is uh, no different than a puzzle that, you know, the parents give to the kid and say, put this puzzle together. And there's 100 pieces of it right there. And the moment you put everything and there is no missing part and everything comes out, it can be the Mona Lisa. It can be some of the most beautiful puzzles, you know, that the picture comes uh, together. But if one or two or three pieces are missing, then the puzzle is not quite there. And this has come from uh, my passion for the game, my love for the game, but also having worked with the referees at many, many different uh, tournaments. And when I'm talking tournaments, I'm talking from the youth, from a young age, 
all the way to the World Cup and uh, trying to figure out what is this puzzle? And I remember when we were coming along, we would say this referee has it or that referee has it. And we're trying to figure out what that it is. And hopefully in this session by, you know, exploring the different components of it and what it is, we will get a better understanding of what this puzzle is going to look like. Speaking of the puzzle, trying to fit everything in after another field session, the Fund Award, Watt Chiswick's Fund Award Ceremony and Reception will begin around 4.30, and then it will be capped off with, among others, Essie Baharmis receiving this year's Walt Chiswick's Fund Lifetime Achievement Award. We'll take a break and come back and talk to Essie and Dr. Joe Matnick about this incredible honor. This is Dean Linky with a quick message from United Soccer Coaches College Programs Department. United Soccer Coaches College Services Program benefits do not stop once the season ends. Your registration continues to work for you and your team with 2021-22 eligibility for team academic and team Pinnacle awards, plus all season representation with the NCAA, NAIA, and junior college governing bodies. If you have not registered for United Soccer Coaches College Services, please consider doing so today. Join the College Services Program now. On November 22nd of this year, the Walt Chizuas Fund, WCF, a charitable fund of the United Soccer Coaches Foundation, announced that Essie Baharmis, former U.S. Soccer, MISL, MLS, and FIFA referee and referee instructor, will receive the Walt Chiswitz Lifetime Achievement Award on January 22nd as part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. Baharmis will be honored alongside former U.S. national team in 1990, New York Cosmos, and MLS player Rick Davis as well. It'll be incredible. Joe Magnick, Dr. Joe Magnick, tied to that 1990 team, and he coached Rick Davis as well. But right now, we are talking about the great Essie Baharmas. Before we do, I do want to say that the Watt Chiswitz Fund was founded after his passing in 1994 to honor his memory and his legacy as U.S. national team coach and director of coaching. The fund helps provide coaching education, convention scholarships, and grants to aspiring young coaches and developing soccer organizations through its fundraising efforts in partnership with the United Soccer Coaches Foundation. Few more nuggets on Essie, who's so humble, but Essie Baharmas received appointments as a referee in the 96 and 98 Gold Cup, the 96 Olympic Games, and 97 Copa America. He also worked the 98 World Cup qualifiers in both Asia and South America before being assigned to two games in the 1998 World Cup in France. And, of course, we all remember the big game between Brazil and Norway. I'm not sure if he'll touch on that at all, but so many honors. The list goes on and on. And, Dr. Joe, before we let Essie talk about what this means, you knew Walt Chizowicz as well as anybody. What does it mean to win something in his honor? Walt Chizowicz was the national team coach and director of coaching for U.S. soccer during a period of time when soccer was beginning to just start its growth and development to where we are today as a national level sport. I did know Walter. I was a junior player when he was a senior player at the New York Ukrainians. And we became teammates later on towards the end of his career. And Walter, you know, performed those both jobs, both duties and responsibilities when there was no glory in it and there was no money in it either. I mean, the national team, you remember, Dean, 1990, we were playing games in St. Louis Soccer Park before 3,500 people, standing room only. And so how much different it is today. Walter's contribution was really 
the education of so many coaches that went to the coaching school and just spread the word of soccer all across America. And so we honor his, his, his legacy and his life with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Many outstanding coaches have, have received this award over the 25, 26 years that we've been having this celebration. But Essie Bahamas is the first referee to uh, achieve this award. And I have to say, it's about time. We're so happy that we can do it in conjunction with the celebration of soccer officiating, which will bring a lot of referees to the convention and uh, hopefully to this award celebration as well. see that brought me chills. You getting the call, I got to believe, amazing chills. Talk about what it means to get this incredible award. You, you know, the, the, this is beyond words. I, I cannot express it in words because when I when you look and you see the previous recipients of, of this uh, unbelievable award is the who's who of... Uh, uh, soccer in this country, people who have achieved the highest with the national team. We're talking the Jill Ellis's and the Bob Bradley's, and I can go on and on and on and on. Everyone who has been here with Bruce Arena, Dr. Joe was a recipient, Lothar Osiander. I can go and uh, uh, name every single person who's on this list and incredible, incredible uh, group to be uh, associated with. And the fact that, you know, the 1990 World Cup uh, players will be also here. What a fantastic, what a fantastic uh, recognition. You know, I, I waited, I waited for a long time to see us in the, in, in the World Cup. As, as you know, I came to this country in 1972 and, you know, I was hoping for 74 and I was hoping for 78 in Argentina. I was hoping for 82 in Spain and 86 in Mexico. And believe me, when Paul Caligiuri scored that goal against Trinidad, I was probably jumping through the roof and celebrating because one of the members of the 1950 World Cup, Harry Keel, was a dear friend. We used to coach together at Mid-America Soccer Camps in St. Louis, and Harry would tell me stories about the 1950 World Cup that would give me goosebumps. And uh, when we finally made it to the World Cup in 1990, it was incredible. So for, to have the team there, and Rick Davis, who played with Cosmos, and also I refereed him in the indoor, major indoor soccer league, where he played in MISL, it is like a fam family they get together re reunion for me to be even mentioned in the same breath with the previous recipients, with the players who are going to be there is out of this world. It's an honor that, you know, I can, I cannot put enough words to describe it. And I, I'd like to thank everyone who even uh, had this inkling that I would be worthy of this uh, award to be re recipient of this award. Incredible. So well said, Essie, to have Captain America there with that 90 team. And really, Dr. Joe, it's triple the pleasure for you because you've known Essie forever. You coached Captain America, Rick Davis. And of course, you were on the bench in 1990, let alone 89, when Paul Caligiuri scored that miraculous goal. You've seen it all. I mean, what this is a celebration that beyond officiating, it's going to be incredible, right? I think everyone who comes to this event on Saturday afternoon at 4.30 is going to have a lesson in the history of soccer in America that they will never forget. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just happy to have been there at the right time so many times. I can go back and remember so many great things about Essie Bahamas, Rick Davis, and of course the 90 team, that, uh, the players of which will be with us on this day. 
I can't wait. I feel like I feel like my whole life is about those names. And I was just lucky to, you know, get picked in 1989 as an intern with John Polis and met all of you guys from day one. Essie, I remember you in the soccer house as well in Chicago when we moved from Colorado Springs. And Dr. Joe, I feel like, uh, you know, you could hang out anytime. I mean, I see you every time at, at the convention. Let's have our last words as First of all, Essie, congratulations on receiving this Walt Chiswick's Lifetime Achievement Award, but I do want to tie it back to this incredible celebration of soccer officiating, a first ever. It's only $99. It's two full days. The topics are incredible. The panelists are incredible. So it's last word time. We'll start with you, Dr. Joe, on why people should spend the $99 and try to attend as many of these sessions as possible. It was $999 I think they should have attended. Not only is 90, it's $99, as you said, but uh, the college referee group, NYSOA, has actually put a promotional code together where the first 50 of their national referees that attend will have the uh, registration fee waived. That's a, a big deal. I'm hoping that U.S. soccer does the same. And I'm having a conversation with Rick later today about that. I've had the opportunity to be at firsts, uh, at many, many different firsts. And this is just another first. And I just hope this one is as good as all the others. And with uh, the involvement of Essie Bahamas helping me co-host this event and putting together the panels of the uh, presenters, uh, like I said, 999, it would it'd still be a great deal. I agree with that. As we go to the last word with Essie, I have to admit, Essie, I've watched you rap. You never show any nerves, but as I think about this full day on Friday, then this full day on Saturday, then knowing what you're going to get at the end of that full day on Saturday, can you put into words how special this is? It is absolutely incredible. You know, I'm coming together with my family and uh, this, this is like a reunion. And this is like, you know, watching, uh, watching my life, you know, the, uh, being shown in front of me because Dr. Joe, you know, we started together and now to, to be here. And I tell you, 30 some odd years ago, 40 some odd years ago, I can't even remember when we did this. You would have told me that one day, you know, we'll be in Kansas City and, you know, we'll be uh, talking about uh, all the experiences that uh, we have gone through. I would have said, you are absolutely out of your mind that this is impossible. And, you know, to come out here and uh, be able to see it and experience it is an unbelievable, uh, out, out of this world, uh, you know, feeling. And Dr. Joe, thank you so much for everything that you have done. Not, not only for me, but for the game in this country and also keeping the legacy of uh, uh, Walter Chizovich, your dear friend and my dear friend and our dear friend alive. Great man lives forever. And, you know, his name will always be mentioned with love and respect. And thank you for uh, being a part of that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe Macknick, U.S. Soccer and Nisoa Hall of Famer, S.E. Baharmas, a FIFA World Cup referee who will be receiving the Watt Chiswitz Fund Lifetime Achievement Award. Great three segments. Thank you so much, Essie. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe. Thank you. All the best to you. Look forward to seeing you in Kansas City. What a great three-segment countdown to convention. We are not done talking to impressive people. Lee Jarrow, heads up all the advocacy groups for United Soccer Coaches, was in Texas this past weekend at the TASCO convention, the Texas High School Coaches, and she met two people in the TASCO Hall of Honor. In 2017, Frankie Whitlock, she went in, and then this year, Dina Graves, 
went in. Frankie Whitlock is now coaching Dina Graves' kids. They work together, 60 years of coaching, almost 1,200 wins between the two of them. We talked to them both. After this final word on the countdown to convention, one message from our sponsor, and then it's Frankie Whitlock and Dina Graves, members of the TASCO Hall of Honor. That's this week's Countdown to Convention for the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Register today at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. If you listen to the show, you know that I always have an ear for Lee Jero, heads up all the amazing advocacy groups for United Soccer Coaches, all of them. She and Sue Ryan are two superstars. And guess what? Lee was in Texas this past weekend at the TASCO convention, and she introduced herself to two superstars, two superstar women, in fact, that were pointed out to her as being two of the best and most successful coaches in the state. So she wrote to me, she says, one, Dina Graves was inducted into the Hall of Honor on Friday. The other, Frankie Whitlock, is already in it. And she said, I would love for you, Dean, to interview them together to talk about their careers, their friendship, and their stories about being women coaching in Texas and all they've accomplished in their storied careers. Would you be willing to have them on? I just told you, anything that Lee wants, I want. So heck, yes, I would. And Lee went on to write that these two, Frankie and Dina, they played against each other for years. And now Frankie has taken over as the head coach where Dina coached before being promoted to an admin job. And there are no better friends in the sport. Really cool. 60 plus years of coaching between these two legendary women. And we meet them now. We say hello first to Frankie Whitlock. Welcome, Frankie. I am glad to be here. And Dina Graves. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here as well. All right. Well, before we start to talk about this incredible connection, I want to read a little bit from their bios. As I mentioned, in 2017, Frankie Whitlock went into the TASCO Hall of Honor. Let me tell you a little bit about Frankie, who I can tell already is going to be a ton of fun here. She's coached at Ronald Reagan High School from 1999 to present. Winston Churchill from 91 to 99, Justin from 84 to 91. Her current coaching record, 600 wins, 119 and 70, 15 district championships, 24 quarterfinals appearances, 21 regional tournament appearances, eight regional titles, state appearances at Winston Churchill High School, 97, 98, 99. Also at Ronald Reagan High School in 02, 04, 09, 14 and 15. She was the San Antonio Express News Coach of the Year six times, the Tasco Region 4 Coach of the Year three times, the Tasco 2009 Coach of the Year, the United Soccer Coaches National Coach of the Year in 2009, and she's been a Tasco member since 1997 and a Tasco clinician in 2004. And actually, before we go over to Dina, ironically, we just had Essie Baharmist who won the Walt Chiswick Award and Joe Macknick, who was 
an assistant coach for that 1990 U.S. team that's also going to be honored with the Walt Chiswick Award. And Frankie, you're tied to both of them, kind of. You're definitely tied to Joe Macknick, right? They were at Wake Forest when I got my USSFA license, and Walt Chesowitz actually introduced me to Dr. Mackney, and I was very nervous when I met them both. I was sweaty (laughs) from being on the field all day and nervous, but they were both lovely men, and I was uh, very honored to be introduced to them both. And before I get over to Dina, how long have you been a member of United Soccer Coaches, Frankie? I joined the association back in 1998. Incredible. That is fantastic. All right. And Dina Graves went into the Tasco Hall of Honor this year. She's been a head coach for 30 years. Westfield High School from 91 to 94. The Woodlands High School from 94 to 2001. A record of 566, 124, and 51. Playoffs 28 years. District or co-district coach of the year 18 times. The United Soccer Coaches Regional Coach of the Year in 2010, Regional Coach of the Year in 9, 10, and 21, 11 regional tournament appearances, three state tournament appearances in 09, 2010, and 2021. They won the state title in 2010. She's been a TASCO member for 31 years, TASCO Regional Director two years, a TASCO presenter and a THSCA presenter. She's been married to Shane for 22 years with three very lovely children, I'm sure, Peyton, Bryce, and Riley. Dina, when were you a member of United Soccer Coaches? I've been a member, um, I think, maybe for 10 years. All right, and you just went into the Hall of Fame four years earlier. Your good friend Frankie Whitlock went into the, I guess, Hall of Honor. I'll call it Hall of Fame every once in a while, but the Hall of Honor. What does that award mean to you, Dina? Well, being in her induction ceremony in 2017, you know, we've been friends for a really long time. And uh, being there at her induction in 2017 was an amazing thing to witness. Being friends for such a long time and uh, getting to see that honor for her. We're kind of in a, man, in a man's world, I guess, you know, to some degree. And, you know, there's not a lot of women in the Hall of Honor. And so being able to see the, the women that were inducted and, you know, Frankie is very deserving of that. And uh, it just was a, an amazing evening for her and for her family. And so being there, an incredible honor. Anybody that's in the state of Texas knows who she is. You know, as a young coach back in 97, I have to tell this funny story. It was a part of my induction uh, speech. You know, the first we had met before, but in 97, I hosted our tournament for the first time. And the first interaction that we had in 97 was our tournament that we were hosting. And um, I was real happy to have her there. And, you know, she was real intense and I was happy and excited. And I said, hey, you know, so excited y'all are here. You know, the Woodlands had just opened this great facility, soccer facility and a new mall. And I went up and said, hey, Frankie, you know, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you have a chance to enjoy the facilities and take your team to the mall. And she looked at me very sternly and said, you know, we came here to play soccer, not go to the mall. <laughs> I, uh, I walked away with my tail between the lava legs, and, you know, but I said in my speech, you know, she's a, uh, she gets to host that tournament now for the 25th anniversary. So it's going to be a, an amazing thing. You know, she's coached my daughters, you know, you couldn't ask for um, a better thing. You know, my oldest graduated in 2019. My baby is still there. She's got her for the next two years. So 
it's an incredible honor to to be her friend, her colleague. She's an amazing woman. Wait, so Frankie, you got to tell me, did Dina hold it together during her speech or did she tear up or who teared up more? Shane, maybe? Shane probably had more tears or Peyton or Bryce or Riley. It's emotional. It's just, it all hits you. You know, they, they want you to talk about just what you've accomplished and include the people that went along that journey. And Dina covered everybody from her 15 assistant coaches she's had through her career to principals that have made a mark on her and, and, you know, probably why she's a great administrator today for those mentors. But when you look at your family, they've, they've been with you since the beginning. And I remember I bawled through mine. I don't even know if I made sense in half of what I said. I was trying to say it. And she got through it a whole lot better than I did. But um, I, I was sitting behind her family with my family, actually, and assistant coaches. And we were all bawling because it's so emotional. I mean, it's quite a recognition. And there's only a handful, really. I think there's only five. I'd have to look. Women in that Hall of Honor. And, and Dina and Laura Peters both were inducted. And it, it says a lot about women's soccer. We match up with girls' teams a lot, and you look across the, the enemy boundaries right there, and nine times out of ten, it's a man, and I don't have a problem with that. I've learned a lot from men coaches, but to see us mentor young women coaches means a lot. Yeah, especially with women's sports. We want to try to keep that going as long as we can. But that encounter in 97, I'll never forget. I had driven a yellow dog from San Antonio and I was told, hey, you're going out. We're going to let you go. But you better not embarrass us. You better win. You better you know, be all business. And I remember that. And I wanted to be able to go next year. And when I got off the bus, here comes this happy woman, you know, hey, I'm so glad you're here. How was your trip? And I'm exhausted and we've got a game and I don't, I'm matching up with a Houston team and I don't know anything about them. We're from San Antonio. And she wants to tell me about them all. I just, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I'm like, really? So I didn't see Dina the rest of that weekend. I think she was afraid to come near me, but the next couple of years, she kept inviting me back though. I get, and so probably about the third or fourth year we came back, I finally went up to her and I said, hey, and she kind of looked at me and she said, hey, and that's when really she realized I wasn't such a Grinch, but. Um, <laughs> now, tie it together for me. So explain how you're both in the Tasco Hall of Honor, which is, you mentioned only five women. And by the way, before we came on the air, I was talking I about Texas it, as a football you know, I think it's six. It's one, okay, two, six, but it, I think it's six. Needless to say, not not enough, but how is it now that you're actually able to tie it back and coach her daughters? Like, how did that happen? I, I like that tie-in. Well, I moved to Houston because of my family. And Dina saw how much family means to me. And it's a priority. And I think she really liked that about me. And then to be a part of her family, which I was from the get-go, and to embrace that I know it's like because I was able to coach both my nieces. So I know that connection. It's hard. It's hard. It's emotional. When you're in charge and you're related, you want to be mama. You want to be aunt, but you got to be coach. So you have to draw the line. And it and it's, I don't know if it's harder. It's it's hard on us, but it's even harder on the player. So that connection, it means a lot. And I have her child. And I know what that means to coach somebody. And not only her child, I have a lot of other parents' children. And it means a lot. These are their babies. And they just want to be treated fair, equal, loved, and coached up. And I can do that. 
<laughs> and Dina, you touched on it already, but hearing Frankie talk about it, how awesome is it now to have some of your kids being coached by Frankie? Oh, it means a, an incredible amount. My girls love her. My son loves her. My kids have grown up at the Woodlands High School, walk in the hallways. You know, uh, we laugh whenever Peyton was a freshman, my oldest was a freshman. We were playing Reagan at our tournament and Peyton was on the field and Frankie kind of like grabbed her jersey on the sideline whenever Peyton was over there getting ready to throw (laughs) the ball in and said something to her and Peyton came running over. She's like, that coach said something. I go, that's coach Whitlock. She's like, Oh, that's miss Frankie. And so she like, it didn't be, you know, it didn't click in her, in her head. She was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. So, you know, they've known her for a while. They just didn't put two and two together. So they knew Frankie before she came to school there to actually work. So they were excited knowing that she was coming. And we also have Claire, who is Frankie's niece now at the Woodlands. So, you know, we've got it all in the family now. So, you know, the Whitlocks and the Graves are uh, taking over the Woodlands. So it's a it's a great thing. It means the, the world to me to have, um, you know, it's been in the works, uh, knowing that I, you know, kind of wanted to move, you know, move, move my career a little bit um, and having Frankie and Claire and Tim um, there to kind of, you know, take the program to the next level and, uh, you know, continue to move forward is a, is a great thing. And it's in a great place. And I'm just really happy that my girl, that Riley gets to, to reap the benefits of that for the next two years. So many fun stories. And I love the ties that bind both of you. But one of the things that both of you have already said is, You've coached against men for so long, and I don't know how much time you got to spend with Lee Gerald, but obviously she's been pushing. If you can see it, you can be it. So if we can see more women leading teams, even men's teams, then we can see more women doing more, right? We can prop them forward even more. You know Lee's all about that at United Soccer Coaches. That's got to be important to the two of you, right? If you can see it, we can see you two women going to the Hall of Honor we need to see more women coaching women's teams and men's teams, right? Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Kind of, it's kind of neat to see some of the NBA teams now have female assistants. And I know, and I can't name them, but some of the professional football teams now have a couple of female assistants. So it's happening. Do I agree with women coaching men? Uh, I coached club for 30 years. I had a boys team that did really well for a long time, but they were young. They were 12, 13, 14. And I enjoyed that, but my passion is inviting young ladies to be leaders and they can make their mark in their professions and their craft and still have their families at home and in that part of it, where as long as they have an understanding husband that, that understands that, I really, um, it's not that I'm a woman advocate, where you know we need to take over the world but i would i would prefer to see women coaching women and men coaching men but that's just old school in me but i don't have some of my best friends are men so please don't take it that way (laughs) they are we get along Uh, they just have to go to a different locker room but uh, (laughs) this it's i i like to see women just grow in whatever craft they want to have and have a voice and know that they are as well-educated as men. You know, thinking about Texas, I've had the the great honor of being the press officer for the 91 women, 92 Olympic team, 94 World Cup team, and then watching that 99 team. And 
you think about Mia Hams from Texas, Carla Overback, Carla Worden Overback is from Texas, let alone all the men's players that are out there. But just saying Mia Ham and Carla Worden Overback, I mean, those are two gigantic names that have come out of your state. How proud are you of all the players that your state has produced? We're producing more and more great college players. One thing about girls soccer right now at the college level, Texas has a lot of schools that have more opportunities for women than men. A lot of our, our men have to go, our young men, our uh, high school guys have to go out of the state unless they go to Midwestern, okay, or uh, private schools. So the opportunity is there for, for women to grow. Yeah, and actually Mia lived at Randolph Air Force Base in San Antonio when she was 11 and 12. Her dad is military, they're military. Mm-hmm. She actually played with my assistant at um, when I was at Reagan. Yeah, That's, twins now. Yeah is in austin small world that was my first that was my first camp was that 91 team and then i would go and visit mia who hung out with Ange kelly who's the texas coach and then tom stone the texas tech coach was my first ever broadcast partner and then of course eric bell breaking down barriers at tcu as an african-american coach i I think it's exciting what's going on with texas you know whether it's high school youth college pro you name it it's pretty exciting right you got a pro team now in austin as as well as dallas yeah um we do have i don't think we dina we don't have a women's pro yeah we do we have the dash dash yeah yeah. they have kind of a uh, not a pro, but maybe semi-pro, dabble in semi-pro in a lot of these larger metropolitan areas, the Metroplex in Dallas and San Antonio and Austin, but they don't have a pro. I think Dash is the only one. So pleased to be joined by Dina Graves, who just went into the Hall of Honor for Tasco. Frankie Whitlock went there four years earlier. They're great friends. Combined, they have recorded almost 1,200 wins. Just just incredible. And, uh, you know, so many great wins. I mean, can you guys give me one of your greatest memories? I don't know how you do it with that many wins, but we'll start with you, Dina. Can you give me your greatest memory a- as a coach in, in 30 years? Well, I mean, obviously uh, my state championship probably in 2010 for sure, but probably our 2009 regional championship to get to our first state championship. That was probably, you know, the most memorable just because it was your first time. 2008, making it to the regional finals for the first time, actually getting our first regional trophy. You know, we had been to regionals a bunch, but you don't get a trophy until you make it to the finals. And I was just, I remember thinking, I just want one of those daggum trophies. How many times do I have to come here until I finally get a trophy? So, you know, obviously 2010 was amazing. You know, my the, almost that same group was there in 2009 and then came back in 2010 to win. So I would probably, you know, 2009, 2010, 2008 were amazing years. But, you know, Frankie and I were there together in 2009. Yes, we were. So, uh, you know, that was an amazing year as well. How about you, Frankie, your best memory? Oh, gosh, I have so many. When you get to be my age, you got a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of wins. We had a special one last year here at the World. Dina and we went to state to the semifinal and that regional championship was amazing. We won 1-0, squeaked it out, down to the wire. That journey, getting there, we were winning by one goal each game or two goals. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was a blur. It was so 
need to see those kids just rise to the occasion. There's so many. And when you say one, I feel like I'm making the other moments feel less important. I think just every year to me is a journey. I get excited about soccer season. I get excited about wins and I don't really call them loses. I call them learning. You know, what do we need to learn today from this? And it's not a loss. The longest run I guess I had was at Churchill with 97, 98, 99. We went three years in a row and those kids become family. You know, I've been to a couple of their weddings and they have children. They're grown women now. They have careers and to see them do that to me is amazing. I mean, when you come down and you're one of the four best in the state of Texas, there's not a loser in that circle. There isn't. The team that you lost to might be better than you that day, but you're part of a very small, you know, the state is watching you when there's four left. Mm. You know, and they're going to sit in the stands and say, well, this team's going to win and they have so-and-so and they, they don't, they're not living the moment. And I usually just try to live the moment. You know, love it. Yeah, uh, I think every year makes memories, and that's why we keep doing it. Amen. And obviously, a great memory for you was in 2017 when you went into the Tasco Hall of Honor, honoring great coaches in Texas. And Dina Graves joins you this year in 2021. Just a couple more questions. Obviously, Lee Gerald approached you too and said, "Hey, how would you like to be on this podcast with United Soccer Coaches?" What was your general reaction when she brought it up? She was Dina was talking at the table, and she came up next to me, and I had finished the conversation, and we were we were sitting in the lounge at the hotel, and um, she approached me, and she handed me her card and told me who she was, and I just kind of went, okay, and I'm one that shies away from this. I don't like to talk about myself. I just don't. So the next day, I said something to Dina. I said, this woman shared this card with me, and she goes, oh, that's really cool. So at Dina's induction, they were there and we had eaten dinner and I'd walk by and I ran into Miss Cheryl again. And then she introduced me to who was the man that was with her. He was like her boss. I should know his name. Jeff Van Dusen. I think so. He was there. And then I said, Dina, they, they want to talk to you. And uh, they've been talking to me. And that's when she said, we really want to do this and we want to do it soon. And I went, okay. And I said, Dina, she goes, we're good. Yeah, let's do it. So here we are. All right. Well, I want to end with saying two words. So I want to say Tasco, and then I want to say United Soccer Coaches. We'll start with you, Frankie. Tasco, what does it mean to you? Oh, it's an organization for all coaches across the state of Texas, and it's promoting soccer. Every year, our memberships grow. Uh, the convention gets bigger and bigger. I mean, at Moody Gardens, where it was hosted this year, sold out. The rooms were taken because of people attending. And it's promoting coaches and it's promoting skills to the coaches and networking. And every year it's, it's growing the media, the communication, the correspondence we get through Tasco now is amazing. It's a, an organization that just keeps growing and gets better and better every year. I would just say growth and friendship and, um, you know, just growing the game through friendship and through the colleagues. I love it. All right. And then the last question is United Soccer Coaches. What does it mean to you? We'll start with you, Dina, and Frank, you will have the last word. I think just taking Tasco to the next level, it's a growth of the sport throughout the country, showing what the United States has to offer to the world. Um, I think it starts small and goes, you know, goes global. And I think that's just, um, you know, just takes it to that next level. The connection of United Soccer Coaches and taking um, Tasco under its umbrella in a way has helped the growth. And I feel like Tasco strives more and more to mimic or parallel or 
you know, try to emulate itself like United Soccer uh, Association. And it's just huge. When you think of United Soccer Association, it is all over the country. You know, Tasco is Texas and uh, being associated with such a, a larger entity opens up networking like yourself and Lee coming over and introducing herself to Dina and I. And this is huge for us personally and huge for the Woodlands High School and the connections that can keep growing from this to set that stage. Hey, Dean, it's Lee Jarrell. I was in Texas this weekend at the Tasco convention and introduced myself to two women that were pointed out to me as being two of the best and most successful coaches in the state. One, Dina Graves, was inducted into their Hall of Honor on Friday. The, the other, Frankie Whitlock, is already in it. I would love for you to interview them together to talk about their careers, their friendship, and their stories being women coaching in Texas. I'm so glad she reached out to me, and I'm so glad to have spent this time with Frankie Whitlock, inducted into the Hall of Honor for Tasco in 2017, and Dina Graves, who went in this year. Frankie and Dina, successful coaches, even better people. Thanks for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank Lee Gerald for getting these two wonderful women on the program. That's what I love about this show. We cover all areas of the game, including high school. And these two Texas women who are in the Texas Hall of Honor for Texas high school coaches. When we return, we wrap up with another visit with a 30 under 30 member. This time it's Ashley St. Aubin to wrap up the show. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. It's been three straight weeks with three amazing women that are part of the United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30 class. Today, it's Ashley St. Aubin, who just wrapped up her second season as the graduate assistant coach for the Frostburg Women's Soccer Program. And with that, Ashley St. Aubin, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you for having me. Frostburg State University Bobcats. I like that nickname Bobcats. I'm an Ohio U Bobcat, but tell me about Frostburg State University, where they're located, what division they are, and what makes that place so special for you. Yeah, so we're a college up in Western Maryland in the middle of the mountains. We're actually in our third provisional year, moving from Division Three to Division Two. So we're now a Division Two school in the Mountain East Conference, and we're kind of in the middle of nowhere but we're a hub to go to big cities we're about two hours from baltimore dc philadelphia so it's easy to get places we're just not close to any big cities tell me about your path because i understand you grew up from in minnesota which got me excited because i know kindred d st Aubin, but you don't have the de so no relation we covered that already but tell me about growing up in minnesota where you played college and how you found your way to frostburg state yeah, so it was, it was a very random trip to get to Frostburg for me. So I actually grew up right in the Twin Cities in Burnsville, a smaller suburb south of Minneapolis. And then I went to Augsburg University, a private D3 
right in the middle of Minneapolis. So I grew up all around the city, never really moved out of that area until coming to Frostburg. So after graduating, I was looking at a lot of different places and this was just one of the weird moments in life where I applied for it and got a call right away, talked on the phone because it was still COVID time. So Zoom meetings and phone call interviews first. And then the head coach, Brian Parker, actually flew me out to see the campus the summer before. And I just loved it. I loved how big of a campus it was in a smaller town. It was pretty opposite to what I did in college, being in a small college, big city. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Miss St. Aubin as she was a superstar. She graduated cum laude from Augsburg University with her bachelor's degree in mathematics with a minor in business administration and economics. During her four-year playing career, she helped the Augies to 59 wins and two appearances in the NCAA tournament. She was a three-time All-American and a two-time Scholar All-American. She actually then stuck around and was a student assistant in the Augsburg Athletic Department, helping the women's soccer coach with recruiting and social media, assisting with game day facilities and ticket sales, while coordinating student worker schedules for various sporting events. She also spent a year as a volunteer in the Augsburg Sports Information Office, taking photos, writing game recaps, and recording stats. So with that as your background, you know the importance of interviews and that type of thing. But when did you know that it was coaching that is really what you wanted to do and maybe not this SID work, but actually being a coach? I grew up writing lineups for my own club team. I would just write, sometimes be in them myself, sometimes not, but just making formations and thinking of different stuff like that. And then once I got to college, I just had such a great support system with my coaches and the men's coach at Augsburg was actually the director of coaching at my club that I grew up in. So that was my first coaching experience was getting to coach at the club that I spent eight years of my soccer career playing at. Just getting a good taste of coaching made me want to coach college. So I started younger, kind of went to the high school age and then once I got further into my college career, I knew that college soccer was the place for me to go. And then tell me about your experience with BV United Soccer Club in Burnsville, Minnesota, as well as being a data science intern for the Minnesota United FC in 2018 and 19. Yeah, so for BVU, I think it's one of the coolest clubs in Minnesota. It has an all-women's coaching staff for the female teams in the club, and that's been pretty much a five-year ordeal that they've been not only looking to hire women's coaches, but looking to hire good women's coaches that they're going to help support through their education process and get more women into those coaching education classes in general. And then for my data science internship, that was the coolest experience I had in college was kind of getting to be in the operating staff for Minnesota United. I'd spent a lot of time with the head video analysts of looking at their stats and how they map stats to show the coaches. The coolest thing I would say from that is just seeing how much work gets put into just the tiny little graphics that the athlete might see, the tiny little statistics that they get to see based on like pages and pages of data and spreadsheets. And just being able to visualize that for anyone that's not necessarily a data person and making it make sense to them was something that really interested me. And it got me a lot more interested in how film and how statistics kind of play their role in any kind of level of soccer. Wow, I love your path. It's super impressive. It also shows me that you're super, super smart. So when you told your family, hey, I'm heading out, I'm checking out of Minnesota, I'm headed up to the mountains of Maryland, what was their reaction? Uh, 
it was a reaction of support, but my my whole family lives in Minnesota. I'm the first person in my family to move out of state for anything. So it was it was very tough on them. It's still pretty tough on them. And it's just the constant jokes of when I'm moving back, not staying there forever. <laughs> well, it, it is funny. We had a laugh about Kendra D. St. Aubin, and you told me you met her. Did you guys talk about your names at all? Yeah, I, I was actually on the field during my internship, just getting to see what it looked like from the bottom view. And she was walking up and I showed her my name tag and told her we had the same last name almost. <laughs> Did she have a laugh about it a little bit? Yeah, I I have heard of a lot more day St. Aubins than St. Aubins. I've never met another St. Aubin, but I've met a few with the D. Yeah, well, and she obviously married into that family, marrying a pretty good player for Indiana men's soccer, who's uh, an outstanding person as well. And Kendra is just a wonderful woman. So I'm glad that uh, you had the initiative to say hello there. What was your initiative to apply for the 30 under 30 program, Ashley? So my head coach at Augsburg University, Mike Navarre, has been a mentor for the program for a lot of years. And my assistant coach, Jen Larrick, was actually a member of it a few years ago herself. And just hearing their experiences and hearing their positive feedback about it kind of made it in the back of my head from before I even started being a grad assistant at Frostburg. So I always kind of thought that would be just the, the perfect thing to start off in a coaching career is to have as many mentors and have as many experienced people helping you as possible. And that's, that's really the thing that I value the most about it is all the connections I've already made and will continue to make. Who were the important people you wanted to share the news that you made it into the 30 under 30 class? Who are the first people you called or emailed? First person I called was my dad. I talk to him every day, tell him everything. He was my coach growing up for about five years. So I love talking soccer with him and he was very excited. And then just all, all the coaches in my life, head coach here, Brian Parker, my coach at Augsburg, the men's coach at Augsburg, just everyone involved in coaching. And then it was just straight to my old teammates telling them about it. Memories and mentors. If you listen to my visits with 30 under 30 classes, I'd love to find out your greatest memory as a player and as a coach. Let's start with that. Can you do that? I remember my freshman year of college as a player, we were set to win the league. All we had to do was win our last two games and we were going into our senior night and I'm a freshman. We have 10 seniors who are all basically starters or get a lot of minutes. And it was just such an emotional night and we ended up losing 1-0 in the game. And after the game, everyone was just ready for our coach to start screaming at us, start yelling at us. And he just walked up started a really slow clap and then said see you guys tomorrow and I just remember walking to the locker room after that and everyone being so confused but it was just like we're completely past it now that loss didn't have any effect on our season and we went on to win the playoff final so I think it was just a great coaching decision by him to have us forget that and move on and it's kind of what I think about the most now like how, how valuable is it to dwell on losses when you can just focus on what's happening in the future? And your best memory as a coach? Oh, it actually just happened a week ago. We were in our playoff semifinal, and we score immediately in the second half to go up 1-0. Great goal, great individual effort by our forward. And then immediately after that, get tied, have to go to overtime. We're going through the whole overtime and just, it was 
pure effort of how we scored. Our players just wanted to score more. They were going to do anything to get the ball in. And it wasn't the prettiest goal ever, but it got the win. And just the celebration on the field after that, getting to run on the field with the team, share that moment with the players was incredible. I love when your memory is something that just happened. That's awesome. We're here with Ashley St. Alban, who is in her second season, will be entering her third with the Frostburg Women's Soccer Program. Another question I like to ask that I repeat with almost every member of the 30 under 30 classes, that crystal ball question, sometimes people know exactly what they want to do in 10 years. Sometimes people are just kind of riding it out. But when you think about Ashley St. Alban 10 years from now, do you have any idea what you want to be doing? I definitely still want to be coaching, but I, I have some big interest in getting a PhD and I'd actually like to be teaching at a college at the same time I'm coaching, not necessarily as a full-time professor, but at least getting to teach one or two classes in the realm of sport management. So that's something that's definitely on my radar and then just continuing to find the program that I want to end up at. Yeah, I like the fact that you have more interest than just soccer. I think that makes you unique and obviously somebody that uh, I would love to hang out with and other people probably enjoy hanging out with. So with that, Ashley, kind of dig deep here for me. What What's one thing about you that maybe people don't know outside of the soccer field? Well, a lot of people will know this about me because it's all I talk about besides soccer, but I absolutely love professional wrestling. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like totally obsessed with everything that goes on with that and sometimes feel like I'm spending more time reading about that than soccer. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, that is wild to me because you got soccer, then you have all of this, this stuff that just shows how smart you are with data analysis and mathematics and everything else. And then professional wrestling, somehow that's kind of a weird, a weird trifecta <laughs> right there when you say Ashley. Yeah, it's quite a weird mix. I think it's just, it's such a good thing to be turning my brain off to watch. I can just enjoy it for what it is. It's just pure entertainment. Well, one thing that won't be weird is this year's convention in Kansas City. We're going to be able to reunite together after doing last year's convention virtually. So I'm assuming you'll be in Kansas City. How much are you looking forward to taking in the convention in Kansas City in January? I'm super excited. I was looking forward to last year to going to it but unfortunately it was all virtual last year and I I got the chance to go to the one two years prior and be a part of the all-american ceremony but also be a part of the coaching through my club so I'm kind of excited just to be focused on the coaching side of it and get opportunities to go to more of the lectures and the field presentations and because you're kind of a little mini brainiac with all these unique degrees, and as you mentioned, you want to get a PhD, which is awesome. I love all of that as well. How important is it to get added education from United Soccer Coaches to become a better coach? I think it's the most important thing that a coach can do. My goal as a coach is to do some sort of education to make me better every year that I'm coaching. Because just looking at how different education was 10 years ago for coaching, just you can't stop. It's ongoing. When the players change, the coaches have to change to adapt to them too. Ashley St. Alban, another member of our 30 under 30 class. Ashley, I hope you'll come by podcast row and say hello to me. Maybe we'll do a different kind of podcast, less about 30 under 30, but what you have enjoyed at the convention. Can we make that a deal, Ashley? Yeah, of course. I'd love to. All right, we'll see you at Podcast Roll, and I'll also see you on Friday night when I host the awards banquet and they recognize all the great members of the 30 Under 30 class. Ashley St. Aubin, thanks for joining us on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
Thank you, Dean. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in Kansas City. Looking forward to seeing you and each and every one of you listening to this show. Some special people to thank. I want to thank Tom Meredith for putting me together with Essie Baharmas and Joe Macknick to kick off our celebration of officiating. And of course, Essie Baharmas receiving that prestigious Walt Chiswick Award. also want to thank the two great coaches that Lee Gerald put us together with. Lee is always on it. And anytime Lee has somebody that she wants on the show, I say yes. I want to thank Sean Chevro, Bailey Conklin, Erica Dyer, and the rest of the great people at United Soccer Coaches, my producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.